0: All right, how many of you online, how many of you in here have tried to lose weight this year? All right, how many of you have succeeded sometimes and failed others? Right? This is one of the most complicated things that one of the most complicated things with weight loss is you get started, right? You get excited, you start losing weight, and then you lose your way and you don't know how to get back there, right? So we've got all of these diet fads and so forth and so on. And I've been preaching here long enough and I've shared with you my fat loss journey, success and failure, right? You know, I'm like a lot of you. I've got the same 15, 20 pounds I gain and I lose and I gain, all right? You know those pounds, right? They're very familiar, right, in the process. So there's a million diets out there. How many of you have ever tried keto? Okay, a couple of you, right? So don't. Okay. It's no better than the rest of them. Right. But here's the one thing I've learned about me with keto and I've tried, you know, many others, even starvation. Right. But the thing about, I like about keto is once I learned how to do it, once I learned that my body was okay with doing it and that the food intake was good and, and all of that, if I stray too far from it, I know how to get back to it now. Right. The best part about understanding the the keto diet for me is knowing that no matter how bad a day I have, or maybe a week or month, you know, um, if you know how to get back. Wow, there's a big gap there with you guys over there, right? Does that feel weird sitting over there with nobody around you? Hi. Hey, everybody! All right? Hey, everybody over here, just ignore those people, right? But the key to getting lost is knowing how to get back. Would you agree with that? Right, it's not, listen, it's not the easiest thing in the world to, whether it's weight loss, um, you know, whatever the process is, if you start out with excitement and you lose your way in the journey, right, how do you get back? I've shared with you, I mean, all of you have your story. I've shared with you, some of you, if not most of you, my story, right, from the stage, right? I left Bible college, my life sort of fell apart, right? And within eight weeks of being a graduate of Bible college, I didn't have a wife. I'd buried a son. I'd lost my ministry. I'd lost my home. Right, and it was all, all gone. And for the next seven years, right—that's seven, right—five, six, seven years, right—I wondered, right? I wondered, and I wondered. And I wondered, and honestly, after wondering for so long, I really had no idea how to get back. Right? I think a lot of people in their faith journey can find that to be the similar case. Right? Is that? Listen, we do a lot of things. I'm a parent. Many of your parents, many of you watching online, are parents. We do a lot of things to try to keep to try to keep our kids from doing stupid things. Right. And many of you raise your kids trying to get them not to do what you did. Right. And your big thing is, I want to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes that I make. Right. So really, it's not fair. You get to make them, but I can't. Right. Like that doesn't seem like a fair exchange. Right. But that's the way we do it. Right. And here's our fear. Our fear isn't in our kids making mistakes. Our fear is that in making mistakes, they'll wander so far away they won't come back. Right? That's what gets to us, right? Because listen, can we, this is things I think we need to be honest about. Listen, being on a journey with God in faith, there are going to be days where you wonder lost in the process. Yes or no? Right? Listen, you've all had days you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right? I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Or you get distracted. You get a new relationship, right? And you found the right person, and all of a sudden, you ain't gone to church for six months. Because every weekend, you're hanging out with this kid, you know, this boy or this girl you met on Tinder, and that's everything, right? And then you don't know how to get back, or you find your job, your dream job, and it consumes you, right? Or you get a family started, and all of a sudden, it's like you can't go to church because we got Billy Bob and dance, we got, you know... Santina in soccer, right? We've got all of these things going on and we can't. And all of a sudden it's six months, eight months, and we don't even know how to get back. And I think all of us at some level fear, fear the wandering part of the journey. Listen, you and I are gonna have to come to terms with it for ourselves and for those that we raise and impact. People wonder at times. And I don't mean wonder as in W O N I'm talking about wonder as in W-A-N-D-E-R. People wonder, right? That's not the issue. The issue is, can they get back home? That's the issue. Listen, I wondered for seven years. And everybody that knew me thought my wondering was an indication that I was lost forever. And that's what they said to me. The problem was they were wrong. Wondering does not immediately create this response that, oh my gosh, they're lost forever. No, I was wondering. I was angry. I was hurt. I was lost. But here's the thing that brought me back. My faith, while at St. Louis Christian College, had been rooted, had been rooted such that when I began to wonder, and it lasted for seven years. I never lost my way home because my roots had grown incredibly deep over a four-year period of time. You see, the reality isn't that we got to, listen, we got to stop panicking about wandering children and wondering people. We have to start being concerned about whether their roots are deep enough so when they wander, they'll come back home. You see, that's the goal of what our faith should be about. We spend so much time trying to insulate, right? And trying to incubate all of this faith stuff in our kids and in our friends and in our spouses, right? We're, we become We become these moralists that is all about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And guess what? People hate that. I don't know if you know that or not. But people hate being told they can't do things. Does that relate to anybody in here? Instead, why don't we spend our time teaching them how to grow the root of their faith so when they wonder, they'll always be able to make it back home. Right? So that's what this is about. You've heard Jason Holt up here, right? Jason is our discipleship pastor. This past weekend, right here in this, right here in this space, here in Ormond, we celebrated Group Connect. Between 150 and 200 people in our church came to find a place to get into a group and group connect. And you should be clapping for that. Almost 200 people came, right? We were able to increase, increase the participants in groups by almost 30% in one single day, right? And here's why we do it. Because we want people to be rooted and grounded in their faith. And we believe... Listen, this is wonderful, right? And I preach a little bit longer, right, on Wednesday nights than we, I, well, that's not true. I preach the same length on the weekend, whether I'm, right, I tend to preach a little bit longer. But normally, right, it's hard to be rooted when you get 20 minutes, 22 minutes. There's a lot of things going on. And we're genuinely trying to remind you to be on mission. So where do you find the time to get rooted in your faith? You do it in a group. Right. We called it Bible study for a while. We called it Sunday school. We've had all kinds of names for it. This is just the 22 version, 2022 version of it. We call it community groups. And when we die and somebody else takes over, they'll call it something else. Right. But it's all the same thing. You get people in a group together and they learn. Right, How to love each other. And they learn how to get rooted in their faith. And I guarantee you, if you're not doing that, at some level, you're never going to find that root. And then wondering, listen, wondering becomes a problem. Because if you wonder without knowing how to get home, you may be lost forever. So this series that we're embarking on, and we're launching in, uh, in September 14th on a Wednesday night. Pastor Jason's going to host the service, and we're going to launch Rooted. A 10 week study in community groups across this church for you to learn how to get into the seven rhythms of life, spiritual life that can help you get rooted and grounded in your faith. And so I'm going to encourage you to come and to be a part of this 10 week journey. We're going to do it. We're going to have some stops because of Halloween and, and because of our, or because of our fall event on Halloween and because of Thanksgiving, other events. But we're going to have a comprehensive 10 week study of what we do. To be rooted and grounded in our faith. And then in your groups, you're going to get to participate in this on a day-to-day basis, right, through our rooted study. And so if you're not in a group online, if you're not in a group here, there's still time for you to get connected to a group. You just got to get a hold of Jason, right? If you don't know how to do that... Call the church, ask for Jason. They'll get you to him. But you need to be involved in that. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to launch the Rooted Study. And I'm going to just show you what Scripture says about being rooted. Everybody good with that? All right. So if you've got your Bibles or your iPhones, find your Bibles. If you have an iPhone and you don't have a Bible on it, what is wrong with you? Okay? It's the number one, right, most downloaded app on the iPhone. It's YouVersion Bible app. It's free. You can have it with you wherever you go, right? Old guys like me, like paper, who cares? Find a Bible, right? So if you've got your Bibles with you or your phones, we're going to look through several scriptures tonight. So go to Matthew 13, and we're going to read a few verses there. So several years ago, the Lord gave me this scripture to build ministry. So for years in the church, this is how we built ministry. There's adult ministry, there's student ministry, and there's children's ministry. And then we got brave and we went singles ministry, right? And then we got brave and added women's ministry and we broke it down with men ministry, right? So we broke ministry down by gender, right? And by age, all that did, right? And it was good, right? But it didn't pertain to the rhythm of a person's spiritual life and the way God works with them. So what I wanted, I wanted ministry developed the way God works in our lives. Yes, we have children's ministry. Yes, we have student ministry. Because people like to worship, like to communicate with people their own age and their own bracket. But within those ministries, this is the rhythm of how God works in our life. And it's the parable of the sower. Right? In Matthew 13, in Mark chapter 4, and in Luke chapter 8, you read of the parable of the sower. And the sower, right, the parable of the sower is about taking God's word and sowing it in the heart of man. And he gives four conditions of the human heart that repeat themselves in the process of your life spiritually and my life spiritually. I want want to develop a ministry that related to the way God worked in our lives. And so it's through this teaching that we came up with rooted, right? So let me read a passage of Scripture So Matthew 13, look at verses 5 and 6. It says this. So he's talking about a sower who goes out to sow. He takes some seed and he throws it on the ground, right? Everybody got the picture? Because the way they did it was they had their pockets or they had a bag on them and they were full of seed and they walked down the rows and they would throw seeds to plant seeds. Not like today, where you get in a tractor, you use your planter and you do it this way. They walked and they sowed. All right. He says this. Some of the seed, right? According to the parable, the seeds, the word of God, some of that seed or the word of God fell on what kind of places? Rocky places. And here's what happened to the seed. It didn't have much soil, but it still sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. So soil, as long as it's fertile, doesn't have to be deep to receive the word of God. Anybody in here, anybody online ever know somebody heard the word of God and received it quickly with joy? Yes or no? Absolutely, right? You've known people like that. Maybe you were that person, right? Listen, the depth of soil does not impede your receiving of the seed you can receive it like that so it says soil received it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but look what happened when the sun came up right when the sun came up and it was 116 degrees in arizona right the plants were what scorched and they withered because they had no what they had no root Right? He describes, explains the parable in 20 and 21. So if you're in Matthew 13, go to verse 20 and verse 21. He explains the parable and he says this The one who received the seed, that means the person's heart that received the word of God that fell on rocky places, is this. It's a man who hears the word, right? And at once receives it with joy. We've known those people, right? Absolutely. It wasn't my story. Right? I fought it for a year. But you've known people that have heard it and went, wow, I'm taking that. And then they run up front and they confess their faith and we baptize them and they jump up and they're awesome, right? They're excited. They're just, they're a candle burning at both ends, man. They're awesome, right? But look what happens. The rocky soil people that receive the word that way, what happens? But since that person has no what? Root, he or she only lasts a only lasts a short time. Why? Because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly what? Falls away. Luke said it this way. Go to if you got your Bibles, Luke eight, right? Luke eight, thirteen, same parable. He just describes what life what life does, right? And why having no root gets in the way. He says those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they what? Fall away. You know people like that? Came to church, got baptized, were excited. You saw them for three months, four months, five months, six months, and then you didn't see them again. Anybody know people like that? Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because shallow soil doesn't impede receiving the word. But having a plant with no root... Means when the sun comes up, meaning when life gets hard and there's testing, you fall away. They quit believing. We decided that that's the way the Word of God works in the heart of people who have impediments. So, what we want to do with rocky soil people is remove the rock. And here's what we believe can happen. If you get into a group with all of your hesitations, with all of your reservations, with all of your impediments, with all of your preconceived notions, if you will get in a group with a good leader studying the word of God, those rocks can be removed. And I see it happen all the time. I've told you over and over again, I'm not big. I'm gathering with people in my house to study like that. I, I Listen, you want to come to my house and watch football, bring some chips and be quiet. I'm fine with that, right? But sometimes the rhythm of the small group, I I avoided it. But man, after the last several years of being a part of it and watching it work, it's amazing. And so many people choose to avoid that. And instead, they allow the rocky soil to get in the way of the root. And that becomes problematic. And here's why. Let me read to you in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, if you're writing verses down, Matthew 3, 7 through 10, right? Matthew 3, 7 through 10. Once again, if you don't want to take notes, but you want the scriptures, if you get on your, U, on your U version Bible app, you can go and you can find live locations. Click on Tomoka, and if Joe preaches or if I preach, whoever preaches on weekend or Wednesday, all of the scriptures are there. And you can even edit it and add notes to it, all right? But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 3. He says this, he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. And Jesus said this to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. So they're coming to get baptized because they know what's going to come. And Jesus calls them out. He says to them, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. They were claiming their father's, right, Abraham's heritage as their way to be saved. A lot of people do it. I I go to a Catholic church or I go to a Christian church or my family was believers, right? That doesn't get you qualified, right? Or listen, I studied under so-and-so. That doesn't qualify you, right? They said, we've got Abraham. Jesus said, I'll tell you, tell you. That out of these stones, right, God can raise up children for Abraham. He said, the axe is already at the what? Root of the tree. And look what happens. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the... Does that sound like that that tree is saved? Yes or no? No. And guess what God cuts first? The what? Everybody say root. He cuts the root because if there's no healthy root, there's no fruit from the tree. Every root that's healthy will allow the tree to produce fruit, right? It is imperative that you and I learn how to get rooted, right? It is imperative to our spiritual existence. It's imperative to us producing the fruit necessary to prove that our faith is genuine. Listen, it's part of the process. But so many people love church but don't want to take the time to get rooted, right? And I get that. But the problem is life is hard, yes or no? It's hard. How do you stay focused on trusting in God when life is so stinking hard? When your marriage falls apart or nobody swipes left on you on Tinder? And I only know this stuff because my daughter used it for a while, okay? So calm down, right? I know some of you are like, how does he know so much about Tinder? I watched the video, right? But you get you get so lost, you raise it you raise children, all of them in the same house and one of them goes right off the deep end, right? You don't know what to do, you lose your job, right? You go through all of these life changes. You gain 50 pounds, lose 50 pounds, right? You have, you have to move and change homes. And all of a sudden you can't buy a home, so you're renting a home. And In Florida, it's way too expensive, so you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Life is hard. The question is, how do you stay faithful in the process? The only way to stay faithful is you've got to have a root deep enough to withstand life's troubles, right? And so many Christians can't. So we talked against troubles forever. We didn't even, we didn't even pretend they, we pretended they didn't exist for Christian people because here's what we knew. Most people couldn't handle them. So we teach health and wealth because if we can teach you to believe that God will give you whatever you need to avoid a the trouble, then you don't have to worry about having a deep faith. All you got to do is come to a church with a pastor that believes and give him a little bit of money in the side pocket and he'll pray for you and you should be able to walk or your cancer should be able to be gone. You see how that works? That's why people buy it because it requires roots to withstand heat. It requires roots to withstand testing. Instead of trying to protect your children from ever wondering, teach them how to grow their root. Why is student ministry important? Because in there, they learn to grow roots. That's where they learn to grow them. It's a part of the process. Listen, let's be honest, parents. How many of us are sitting at home and teaching our children the Bible? Every week we sit down and we got an hour and a half Bible study. We're studying Ephesians this week, kids. None of us have, very few of the families that that I know have time to do that. But we're running into soccer, we're running into softball, we're running into baseball, we're running into band because we want them to flourish in the world. The problem is, if we don't teach them how to have a root, guess what they're going to do? They're going to wonder. Why is children important? Because it's in there that children learn to have roots. Right? These are part of the process of making sure that when children want to wonder, they'll find their way home. When students want to wonder, they'll find their way home. When adults decide to wonder, they'll find their way home. Right? The reality is people wonder, right? But if they have a root, they'll always come back home. And so we've got to learn how to be rooted in our faith. Right, And part of what we want to do here at Tomoka Christian Church, even if it's online, we want to help you learn how to develop a rhythm to develop the root, to be rooted and grounded in your faith. Because it's going to make all the difference in the world. Because you're never going to prevent troubles, persecutions, and testing in the world, are you? Like we've been trying to prevent it for years. We don't want to have it. We avoid it. God, please, 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 please. I pray, God, keep my kids safe. Don't let them go through this. I mean, we prayed. Like many Christian people prayed for the election to come out differently. And it didn't. And now we're frustrated. Listen, if your faith isn't strong in the midst of the trials and the testing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to wander away. We need a root. Would you agree with that? Yes or no, church? Right? Let's talk about this. Romans chapter 11. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I just want to read this, right? So Paul in Romans 11 is talking to Jewish people. The Jewish people are mad because God, through Paul, told the Jews, Gentiles get to be saved too. And they get to be called children of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jews hate the what? Gentiles. I hate hated them, right? They had a bad heritage right? Their, their ancestry was all wrong. Paul comes along and says, Hey, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get to be a child of God, just like the Jewish people. And the Jews are like time out. That doesn't sound right. So in Romans nine, 10 and 11, he's teaching them why it's right. And he says this, he says, I'm talking to you Gentiles in as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. And I make much of my ministry. I make much of it in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people, the Jews, to envy and save some of them. So he preached adamantly to the Gentiles in hopes that a Jew would be jealous enough to go and search and be saved. He says this, For if the rejection of the Jews is the reconciliation of the world, the Gentile world, what will the Jews' acceptance be but life from the dead? Right? If it works for the Gentiles, it'll work for the who? It'll work for the Jews. Right? So he says, if part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, right? Then the whole batch is holy. If the root is what? Holy. So are the branches. He goes on to say this. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Look what he says. Don't boast over those branches. If you do, he says, consider this. Everybody online and everybody in here, read this line with me. Right? Because listen, I've said this before. I'll say it again many times. This state, these, this is an oxymoronic statement. A Christian who's not humble. Right? Every Christian should be humble. Why? Because the only reason Gentile, you and I got saved is because the Jews didn't believe. Are you clear on that? The gospel was for the Jews. They were God's people, and they rejected God, and God went, fine, I'll go to the highways and the byways, and I'll invite everybody in. And you and I got saved because of that. And instead of being arrogant and instead of being haughty and instead of being proud, we should be what? Humble. Humble, man. Like, thank you, God. Right? Like, I remember going to baseball games when I was younger, and I would always, you know, I was poor, so I had to buy a ticket up in the nosebleed section. But you know what I was doing in the nosebleed section? I wasn't watching the game. I was waiting to see who was vacating their seat in the bottom. Right? Because all I wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that by the time I, the game got serious, I could walk from my seat at the top row, and I could make my way down to the lower section right and the only reason i ever was able to do it was somebody vacated their seat i never acted like i belonged i acted incredibly grateful right it's the same way for us being saved christians listen gentiles weren't supposed to be in the original plan but the rejection of the of god by the jews allowed you and i a free ticket how many of you online how many of you in here are grateful for that say amen, amen. right man that should permeate the way we act so he says this read this sentence with me you do not right? The root supports you. In this scenario, the root is God, right? He's the one giving us the support. Listen, you're not the one. Listen, God didn't save you because you grew your own root and went, I'm going to be faithful. I decided this on my own and God, I'm going to do it. No, 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 no. You got saved because God did what? He supported you. Does that make sense to you, church? our support our need for livelihood spiritually comes from the one who supports us that's God himself right he's the one that gives us the support to make that possible listen to this skip that go to second go to first timothy uh, chapter 6 and verse 6 right so paul says this god so i just want to show you how this works godliness with contentment is great gain that right? should be a sermon in and of itself, right? He said, for we brought what into the world? Nothing. And we can take nothing out of it, right? No matter how much you accumulate while you're here, you get to take zero of it with you, right? He said this, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Oh, if that were only true, right? People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, right? And he says this, that's many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Why? Everybody read it. For the of money is the of all kinds of evil. Right? You see, here's the problem. We should love the Lord our God with all of our what? Heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, our mind, with all of our strength. Right? The problem is, other people love other things. They love what? Money. Right? They love money. And all of a sudden, they've got how many roots? Two. You have two. And here's what Jesus said about having two loves in your life. Matthew 6, Jesus said this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. Where thieves break in and steal. Right? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because no moth and no rust destroys and thieves can't break in and steal. He says this, for where your treasure is, guess what's going to be there too? Your heart, right? And he says this in verse 24. The Next verse, no one. Everybody say it. Nobody in here, nobody online, nobody on this stage can do this. Nobody can serve how many masters? You can't, have two, you can't have two root sources of life. You can only have one. You can't serve two masters. He says, because if you serve two, here's what's going to happen. You're going to hate one and love one. Or eventually, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't, and he, and he defines the second master. You can't serve both God and what? Money. You can't have two loves. Right? Your love has to be for one or the other, which is why Jesus or James said this in James chapter 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is what? Toward God. Anyone, right? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes a what? Enemy of God. Why? Because that person ends up falling in love with money and they eventually have two root sources. You can't have two. Listen, being rooted in our faith is necessary because people wonder. Most of you in here and most of you online have had a period of wondering. Some of you wonderful, faithful souls came to faith in Christ and you have never wondered. But that percentage is small. The majority of you have had seasons where you've wondered. And most of you, if you've raised children in the church, have watched your children wonder. Right? And our fear, again, is that they won't come back. But if they are rooted, they will. As long as there's a root, they can find themselves back home. Which is why we've got to do it. And here's, here's the other reason we have to do it. Listen, we've got an enemy that wants us to fall in love with another life source. The world offers one thing. Money. And through money, I can have the lust of the flesh. I can have the lust of the eye. And I can have the pride of life. I can make a lot of me. But you can't love both God and what? Money. You can't do it. There's only one. There's only room for one of those. Right? So, two, two things that get in the way of our growing our root. Here's the first one. Hebrews 12. All right, we've got six minutes. Everybody ready? Make every effort. Not little effort, make every effort to live in peace with how many men? All men. To be holy, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Verse 15, see to it, listen to this, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. He says, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. And this was a result of Esau having a bitter root. If you go back and read the story of Jacob, you'll find a man with a bitter root. And he says, don't be like him. Why? Because Esau, for a single meal, a bowl of soup, sold his inheritance right as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He goes on to say, he could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Listen, here's what you need to know. Bitterness is a root that will destroy the healthy root. Right? Bitterness gets in the way. And let me tell you, it's not just that. It's a lot worse than that. Listen to what James says in chapter 3. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with that same tongue, we curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. James says, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. How many of you sang tonight when you worship God? If that same mouth curses men made in the image of God, he says, that shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Here's why he says it. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Answer, no. Because which one wins, fresh or salt? Come on, you know it's salt, right? Take a bottle of pure fresh water and pour it in the ocean. That fresh water becomes what? Salt. Take a bottle of salt water, poured in fresh water, and the water becomes what? Salt. See, here's the problem with bitterness. It always wins. It always wins. And yet, I can't tell you how many Christian people come to this this church every Saturday and Sunday and on Wednesday and watch online every week. And their bitter root has grown because they haven't let go of something. They haven't granted forgiveness. And they're just like Esau, right? They're begging God to give them something they've lost, even seeking it in tears. But here's the problem. Bitter root always wins. Just like salt water, right? This is what he says. Bring that verse back up. He says, my brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or can a grapevine bear figs? Yes or no? Can that happen? No, right? Neither can a salt spring produce what? Listen, if bitterness has grown into a root, it doesn't matter how much you want it to be gone. If it's there, it's won. That's why he says, don't let a bitter root grow. Instead, make every effort to be at peace with all men, right? Do everything you can. Because listen, once a bitter root grows, it wins. It always wins, right? He goes on to say this, who's wise? An understanding among you, right? So now, now he's sort of taunting them in their understanding. Who's wise and understanding among you? Let that person show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from what? Wisdom. Everybody got that? He says this. But if you harbor what? Bitter envy, right? Salted, right? Salted, corrupted envy and selfish ambition. This Greek word, selfish ambition, is the picture of a politician who will do anything to get elected. Know anybody like that? Right? He says, if you've become that person, listen to this. We so, listen, we so minimize. This was this kind of stuff I heard when I was in church as a 17-year-old. Oh, I went to Bible college. The Bible said, do not worry. Anybody read that verse? And then we said this about sweet little Matilda in the church. Oh, she's just a worrier. Why? The Bible said, don't worry. And we made it okay for Matilda to be a worrier. Right? Does that make sense to you? No. Listen to how serious bitterness is. He says, if you harbor bitterness... Right? And, and, and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it and don't deny this truth. Here's the truth. Such wisdom, the wisdom that says that bitterness is justified, right? The bitterness is justified. He said, don't deny the truth that if you say that wisdom, right, is wisdom, that doesn't come from heaven. That means it doesn't come from whom? It doesn't come from God. Guess where it comes from? It says, but that kind of wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and of the... It's amazing to me how little we make a bitterness. We act as if it's not oh, just human. Listen, they're just angry. No, a bitter root is a salty root. And a salty root always ruins fresh water. Listen, you and I have got to be rooted and grounded in our faith. We've got to be rooted in that. But a bitter root... Listen, a bitter root is a devil root. And a devil root... Listen, it does all kinds of things. Look what it says. Such wisdom doesn't come. He s- says it. He says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, right? Listen to what else comes. Look at, look at bitter's friends. Bitterness has friends. Look what happens. There you will find what? And what? Okay, what's that word? Not some, but every what? Evil practice. Listen, some of you have been bitter way too long. And you have cried to get rid of it. The only way to get rid of it is to repent and to forgive. Because whatever you're holding on to isn't worth ruining the fresh water. Listen, and don't tell me, listen, don't tell me as a 58-year-old man who is full of compassion. Don't tell me I don't understand. I may not understand all the details of your life, but I understand the details of my life to know good and well that life is hard. And you may have been run over by a truck, by a person that told you they loved you, by a tol- person you told that told you you could be trusted. And you got run over and you're angry and you're hurt. And guess what? You can be angry and hurt. But bitter, bitter wins. And when bitter wins, guess what comes with it? Disorder. And our God's a God of order. So you bring disorder in and you bring what? Every evil practice. Is that really the friends you want when you're trying to be a Christian? No, but we justify it because that person hurt me. You have no idea what they said. You have no idea what they did. You know, you're right, but I know what Jesus said and I know what I've had to learn to not be bitter about. And guess what? If you continue to take breath above ground, you're going to be challenged to not be bitter, but a bitter root ruins a good root every time. So instead make every effort to be at peace with all men. Does that make sense to you, church? All right. I'm going to read one more. I'm going to, I'm going to read one more. Go to, go to Colossians 2 there. Okay. So here's the, here's the positive side of it. Colossians 2, 6, 7, and 8. Right. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Okay. How many of you received Christ Jesus with joy? And how many of you received Christ Jesus with faith? And how many of you received Christ Jesus with humility? Right? And how many of you received Christ Jesus with need? I need you. Anybody? He says, as you received Christ Jesus, continue to live that way in him. Don't lose your faith. Right? Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your need. Don't lose your humility. Walk in Jesus the same way you received him. Does anybody in here struggle with that? course you do we all have so i get aggravated at paul when he writes those verses right walk in jesus the way you receive jesus i've been doing it for 40 years paul it's hard right it's difficult look what he says but be rooted and built up in jesus guess what'll happen when you're rooted and built up you'll be strengthened in your what Faith, as you were taught, and then he says this, and you'll be overflowing with what? Thankfulness, gratitude, humility. Rooted is a necessary part of your faith journey. Okay, what's it say, Meg? Let's kick this pig. All right, you got it. Everybody say thank you to Meg Hale. Right? Right? So here's the positive of what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks, right? To be rooted and grounded in your faith so that you can walk in Jesus the same way you received him. Because listen, the journey's long and it's hard, right? And this world's hard. So how do we do it? We got to have a root that's bearing down deep. And you do that. Right, You do that through several things. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. Verse 8 of Colossians 2 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, right, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Listen, we're in a war. There's a war out there for you for your soul, for your mind. There's a war out there for your children's heart and their soul and their mind. There's a war out there for your friends' hearts and their souls and their minds. And the reality is this, if you don't have a root system that's working in your life, you're gonna be taken captive just like that. You're gonna watch the next YouTube video and go, oh, that's it, that's what I've been looking for. And it's not gonna be about Jesus. It's gonna be about Jesus and something else. And that's what happens to so many people because they don't have a root. People come and people go. And we said it this way in the church. We just need to learn how to close the back door of the church. You know how to close the back door in a church? Get your people to develop a root system. Because every person that walks out the back door, if they have a root system, will walk right back in through the front door. It may take a year. And in my case, it took seven. But they'll come back. Let me close it by this. I want you guys to stand ask you get down, we're going to read these verses. Let's do the last verse there, David, Psalm one. David writes this psalm to start the psalms out. He said, "Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But that person's delight is in the law of the Lord, this book, God's ways, and on that law he or she meditates day and night." He's like a tree. This person is like a tree that gets what? Planted. Gets planted, right? And rooted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does, he what? He prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked won't stand in the judgment, right? Will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So I'm going to encourage you to come back. Let's take this journey together and let's learn how to get rooted and grounded in our faith. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, uh, letting us be here. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for St. Louis Christian College that, that took the time to to grow my faith in such a way that in spite of seven years of wandering in a, in a an incredibly difficult journey, God. I was able through your through your spirit, through your word, through your love and faithfulness to find my way home. I know I know lots of people out there, maybe even some that are here tonight and online have have just finally made that journey back. And for others, Father, they're they're in the middle of it and for others they're afraid that somebody they love's going on it. I just pray, Father, that we'll take serious the need to be rooted and grounded in our faith. So, Father, I pray for this church. I pray for these parents. I pray for these people that are in relationships, Lord, that we'll make make a lot of the good that you give us, but we'll make the most out of you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.